Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today, we are interviewing Sandra Namoto, the content doctor for ethical businesses. Uh, she worked in the PR industry before switching gears and moving into content marketing. We talk about what inspired her to make the switch businesses and how businesses can be more ethical and conscious about making better choices to build a better world, which is something that is desperately needed in uh, today's world as I record this in 2020. So without further ado, here is Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joel. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, it's an, an honor to be here with you. Well, yes, it's great having you. Um, so, you know, obviously, I've been watching your videos and, you know, in taking your content for a while. We've, you know, we've been friends on Facebook and everything for some time. Um, and I'm super impressed with everything you do and the, um, you know, the types of businesses you work with. Um, so I kind of want to start off with what, you know, what, um, what goes into uh, to telling in a business story? Oh, gosh, um, that's a big question. <laughs> um, beginning, middle and end is, is always a, <laughs> a good one. I, I guess if we're talking about businesses, um, you know, just starting off with the tools, I think, is, is the best way to go. You know, every every business needs a website, first of all. And then um, deciding to go on the right social network, depending on the audience you're trying to connect with. And then from there, I think you can layer on um, all these other different types of marketing techniques. When a business comes to you, what? how do you decide on how to proceed and how to what platforms, I suppose, to tell their story and, and what is important in their brand message? Okay, so first, first of all, um, yeah, so I do content writing and editing for a specific audience. So, so I'm vegan, um, officially going on about two and a half years now. And uh, at the start of 2020, I really wanted um, yeah, my, my, my gut kind of told me this, this is the industry that I can really focus a lot of the talents and skills that I've built up for the last 13 or so years and really help this industry grow. And so, um, number one, I look for value, that value alignment. So if uh, at first I was marketing specifically to vegan businesses and using the word vegan in my marketing and realized that you know, although there are vegan businesses, there are not a lot of vegan people. <laughs> so, and when you say you, you're going to work only with vegans, you're really only nailing down on 10%, maybe if at best of the global population. And although that would be great, it's a little bit hard to market to those folks. So I realized I need to be a little bit more 
uh, inclusive. And so now I've just switched the terminology from vegan businesses to cruelty free businesses or ethical businesses. And with that, hopefully it's a little bit more clear that as long as you are not harming animals or people in some way with your business, um, uh, yeah, that, that's that's kind of my ideal client. And then from there, in terms of brand messaging, like I said, it really depends on who your audience is. So um, number one, have a website. Number two, um, choose the social media platforms that are best going to be used to reach that audience. And then from there, we can layer on um, more marketing techniques from there, which I may or may not be involved in. Like I said, I'm more involved in the content writing and editing um, process. What level of cruelty-free or, um, like, I guess, vegan, do they have to, do they, do they, I guess what I'm asking is, do they have to meet a certain standard or is there businesses that you won't work with? Um, businesses I, I, I won't work with, uh, obviously, if, if it, like I said, it brings harm to people or animals. I would say even the environment, um, you could classify that as cruelty-free, but that's going into kind of this whole other rabbit hole. Um, so as long as it's, yeah, not overly obvious, you're doing harm. Um, if you have certifications, so if you've done B Corp or, you know, certified organic, that's probably in the good section. But there's a lot of people, I think, especially if you're in the small to medium level, you may not identify with either. You may not even consider yourself being cruelty-free, your, your business being cruelty-free, and you're not ready to yet leap into the certifications. But I would say if you're in that spectrum, um, yeah, definitely let's chat. Um, again, it's all about that value alignment. Cool. Um, and so why is it important that ethical businesses have a voice and how do you promote that side of the business? I'll have to answer the second question first. So I think, again, I'm not, I'm not doing any fancy tricks here. Uh, content writing and editing is just a natural part of communications. It doesn't matter kind of the, the form that you're putting out there, you're going to have to write. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's super important in 2020 that ethical brands get out there more because uh, the, the future of the planet depends on it. <laughs> I mean, like, I might reference this later, but uh, I just watched uh, The New Corporation, which mm. is the documentary sequel to The Corporation, which was made in 2003. And I thought it was so brilliant that they did a follow-up movie because you can see how much worse things have gotten in the world in terms of environment, people's health, um, just how we treat each other. And so if you're in a business, in a business, um, you know, like I think ethical brands and ethical businesses more so than ever, we need you because the future of our world, like I said, depends on it. And you meant, so you mentioned, um, I think it's corporation B. Is that, is that the correct term? It's called B corporation. B corporation. And what, so what is that exactly? Yeah, so it's a certification uh, organization. It's run by profit, uh, no, sorry, a nonprofit uh, in the U.S. called B Lab, and it's sort of like your certified organic, your um, cruelty-free certification. What it does is it certifies people um, to determine whether they're a socially and environmentally responsible business. So any business can go online on their website, which I believe is bcorporation.net. You can sign up for free and you take their assessment 
um, which is, yeah, it, basically it's a whole number of questions about your business and you can go online, fill all that out. And what it does it is, is it spits out a score based on your governance, um, how, you, how your business treats the environment, how your business treats employees, your community impact. And you, um, if you have a minimum 80 points out of that possible 200, you can go on to the next um, to the next phase, which is to then apply for certification. So, um, I'll, I'll, like the first time I filled it out for my previous business, I was not at the 80 range, but I built up my points um, to get to that point because it was something that was really important to me at the time. Um, but basically, when you earn that certification, and there are rough, I think just under 3,000 businesses around the world with the certification, you can use that in all your marketing, throw it up on your website, put it on your packaging, and it basically tells your consumers and clients that you are, um, yeah, you have this certification, you've been verified by a third party that you are working towards more ethical practices in your business. And so what sort of things do you need to do or need to show in order to get that certification? Yeah, like I said, it's, um, so there's different categories for environment. They're going to look at emissions. So if you're mm -hmm. a home-based business, like I am, you know, you're going to be, you're going to do pretty good in that area. <laughs> If you're, you know, if you're a car company, you're going to have to actually track that and, and submit sort of some sort of documentation that shows that number one, you're tracking it, first of all, and then number two, like, what are the actual emissions? Um, there's a whole number of, of factors. So again, community impact, are you giving, giving back uh, to, to your community? Are you a member of any sort of um, organization? Um, I was a member of 1% for the planet uh, at the time so that so that, again that counts for one or a few points um government governance as well so if you've got a um a woman on your board of directors or you're woman owned you'll earn a point there so yeah there's a whole number of um these questions and they all lump into sort of five different categories okay oh cool and is that something that people look for when they decide on buying certain brands or supporting certain companies well, I would hope so. Um, at the time when I certified, so I was, I, I, I was, and I still am a business to business. Um, uh, that's, that's the type of business I run. Um, I find here in Canada, it's still, it's still a certification that not many businesses have, and it's still getting out there. So there's some certain, there is a certain level of marketing that still needs to be done. Um, and, I think it's more of a bonus. Like when people, people are coming to my website, they're looking to hire me for their specific service. And then if they actually know what the B Corp logo means, that's, that's more of a bonus. But I think in the U S people really understand um, what that means. And if they don't, it's probably a good signal that they can, you know, go on the internet and see what is this B logo all about and, and learn about, learn about it. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's only one of the many ways that we can learn whether a company is, um, socially or environmentally responsible. Hmm. I'm wondering if, just to take a step back here, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, and because I know you started in PR and, uh, and I think you still do a little bit of PR practices. Um, but yeah, if you can tell us like how you arrived to your, you know, present job and your present uh, um, company. Sure. So I started um, my PR business after um, after school and after I was working for a public relations 
firm for about a year and a half. That was my first job out of school. And I thought I could, could run my own business. So I started it in 2008. Um, and then I actually rebranded it to the name Conscious PR in 2012 because I wanted to attract more of the types of businesses that, that we've been talking about so far. Um, and then I decided to close that business in 2018 because um, I just realized um, the media landscape here in Canada was changing and uh, traditional media outreach was being quickly replaced by digital marketing. and. Um, it was in around 2016, I kind of knew that was happening and I was taking steps to actually expand my agency into more of a full service communications firm. But um, for a number of reasons, it just didn't work out. So I closed that in 2018. And then uh, last year, 2019 was sort of my soul searching year. I, I, I knew I didn't really want to stay in marketing, but um, yeah, and, and was just freelancing for a number of different clients. Um, but in 2020, it just became really clear to me that writing um, was going to be a big part of my life, whether personally or professionally. Um, and I, yeah, just really wanted to hone in on my writing and editing skills. Um, and that's, that, yeah, brings us to uh, the business that are in today. Uh, do our P, is PR still a viable tactic in today's, I guess, landscape, or is it purely like a digital marketing play, do you think? That's a great question because public relations, when people hear that word, they typically think of publicity, which is the process of reaching out to media, um, hoping that you can get your story told and then seeing the coverage and then hopefully getting sales out of that um, or, or just even uh, influence or, um, uh, presence out of that but the practice of public relations actually means communication to your audience and ideally um, having your audience um, engage back with you so the funny thing is PR the, the PR industry in my opinion was very slow to see that social media was actually a PR tool um, but once they realized that I think it was too late to um, go back and change the terminology around social media and digital marketing. So now there's all these different terms that are, you know, seem separate, but are actually quite intertwined. And I would call social media um, definitely a PR tool because, you know, the messages that you put out, you can have your audience instantly commenting uh, on that um, through your comments, <laughs> whether that, you know, and it doesn't matter what channel that is, whether it's Twitter or YouTube, um, so long as you have that channel, um, it's definitely a PR tool. Mm, cool. Uh, so on your website, you talk a lot about your spiritual practice, your meditation. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your journey uh, and what you've discovered about yourself with, with those tools. Yeah, so um, I would say my, my sense of spirituality goes back to probably three years old when um, like I grew up in a, a Catholic family and my mom, you know, taught me prayers and stuff like that before and took me to church, obviously. And I grew up in a Catholic school. So from kindergarten way up until grade 12, I was in Christian education. Um, and I would say I was still practicing Catholic up until 2003. Um, and it just, yeah, it just, it just was really clear to me that the, my personal values weren't, hugely aligned with that of the Catholic religion. And so I decided, like, I still am a, a spiritual person, um, but I would say it didn't really, um, 
it didn't really play another big presence in my life until I started practicing yoga um, around 2006. Mm-hmm. And through yoga, I was led to meditation. And I would say once I started a really regular meditation practice, um, uh, I learned it. I learned transcendental meditation in 2014, and I've been doing that twice daily for six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I would say that's really heightened my my sense of spirituality. Hmm. What is trans? Because you, you hear about that all the time in in the media, but I don't actually know what transcendental meditation is. Yeah, or TM for short. That's how TM, we call yeah, it. It's yeah. a really long name. Um, so before I started practicing, I'd heard of TM um, just just sort of online. I knew it was a type of meditation, and if you're a film buff like I am, um, David Lynch is a really big um, ambassador of TM. Um, he, he attributes it to getting his a lot of his creativity. So at some point in 2014, I was ready to just learn about it. So I went to an information session here in Vancouver and um, yeah, and I was just sold on it. Like they, they, they did say that it was the most practiced form of meditation in the world, I think. Um, and, million people around the world so I said hey if it's good enough for that many people it's good enough for me and what I love about it actually is um, first of all it's it's rooted in the Vedic tradition so it goes back it predates even Ayurveda so it's 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 um, yeah it's thousands and thousands of years old and the folks in India have been doing it forever and it came to the west around the 70s um the Beatles were a big part of (laughs) bringing it here um but yeah and and another another thing I really like about it is the uh structure of it so you're meant to do it twice a day before breakfast and before dinner and for 20 minutes uh each session so you don't like no, no less no more that's that's your time and that's yeah, basically I get 40 minutes a day where I'm going inward and, and I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a huge, um, it's been hugely beneficial to me in managing my stress level and just getting to know myself. Mm. Do you think it translate into your business at all? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I'm certainly very open on my, my website, which is my, both my personal blog and has some of my business stuff on it. Um, so I'm, I'm very open in talking about it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I think, I think it's helped me indirectly. So in learning more about myself, um, yeah, I, I, I've really gotten to know what my values are and how I want to practice those values in work. And so I, I, yeah, actually, actually I, I was meditating at some point, I think it was the first Friday of December in 2019. And that, that idea for content writing and editing for business for vegan businesses came to me in meditation. So I get a lot of these, what I call downloads when I'm meditating, even though you're not supposed to be thinking thoughts. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I guess that's how it interacts. That's super cool. Um, uh, Yeah. I want to go back to ethical businesses for a bit. Is that something you think, um, you know, there's this perception that, you know, only young people, you know, care about ethical or vegan businesses. And it's not something that, you know, like the older baby boom generation really think about. Is that 
you know, more of a myth or is that actual fact? I mean, I don't know if I can verify that as fact, but I would lean towards the idea that yes, it's, it's, it's more true that younger generations are more open to seeking out um, ethical, not just ethical businesses, but just being ethical. I mean, look at the global climate strike. That was all led by youth. And I think it's it, it all comes down to information. They're, they're growing up in the internet age and they know all the stuff that we've done. <laughs> And I'm not just, and that's not to say that baby boomers don't care. I think absolutely they would care if they had the information, right? And 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 they grew up without the, without the internet, and so all they they knew was what they read in newspapers, um, and had a lot of that shielded to them. And so I think I think I think if we do listen to what younger people are saying, um, we would be moving in the right direction. Mm. As as a human race. So is it part of an ethical ethical business's responsibility to educate people who may not know um, what, I guess, yeah, what's going on in the world and, and how they can help? Yeah, I think so, to a certain extent. Um, and that's, again, that's the question about, do you consider yourself an ethical brand? Mm. If you don't, you don't have that responsibility. But I think we're moving more in a direction where businesses are feeling they have that responsibility. They have that voice. And it doesn't have to be all issues, right? In fact, it's almost better, and I'm learning this on my own, it's almost better to hone in on one issue that you really care about, whether that's Black Lives Matter, whether that's the environment. If you can use your, your business platform as a way to highlight that one issue and, and tell your consumers, we care about this and you should too, I think that'll, that'll have you know, more and more ripple effects. Mm. So this this next question probably applies to both, you know, personal and businesses, but for like, just, you know, cause we're talking about marketing and business for a business who wants to become more ethical. Um, what is there like a couple first steps that they can do or what would you recommend to them that say, Sandra, I want my business to, you know, care, not, not so much care, but like to work towards a more environmentally friendly business or to be more ethically um, sustainable? Yeah, great question. And I don't think I'm the best person to answer this, but because of, yeah, I've, you know, I've done the B Corp and all that. Um, I, I feel like I'm sort of on the, the cusp of, or the, the baby steps of learning about um, social responsibility. Um, I think the number one, um, you can hire experts. So there are CSR experts, there are sustainability experts, and, and their job is to come into your business, assess your business, and see what first steps you can make. The other is just ask your team, right? If you've got a small team right now, that you're almost in the best position to, to ask them, hey, what do we want to stand for, right? What do we stand for? If, if your values aren't already uh, outwardly facing, right? Um, it gets harder when your corporation is bigger and bigger because then, you know, you can't, it'll be harder to um, get all these opinions when you have hundreds or thousands of employees and get everybody on the same page. But I think, I think there's a, there's, there's always a first place to start and social media, your own networks right now, like 
tap into tap into the folks on LinkedIn who you may already be connected with, connected with, and who are already doing this work. Um, the the acronym Jedi is great to think about. So justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, and I would also add anti-racism to that. If you're at all interested in those in those areas for your business, um, and you should be. Um, that's a great place to, to search for those types of experts in your area and, and hire them. Mm, cool. Um, so you mentioned a corporation, new corporation, and on your website, you also mentioned Earthling. Uh, so as like, you know, as a big inspirations for you, um, I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about how obviously those documentaries, um, were hugely impactful uh, to you. Can you talk a little bit about how they impacted you? Yeah, so Earthlings, uh, I believe, originally came out in 2005. It's a documentary um, narrated by Joaquin Phoenix, and the director um, has gone to, to produce more, uh, more documentaries. So I saw that, I think, about two years after it came out, at the end of 2007. And I grew up... Um, in a, you know, in a household that we ate a lot of Filipino cuisine, which is very meat heavy. So um, it's interesting that that year, um, I said to myself, you know what, it would be nice to be a vegan, but it would be really hard. And, and I saw that documentary, and I sort of made that commitment to myself that I would start um, moving more in the direction of eating less meat, because I couldn't unsee what I had seen. Um, and I, yeah, there, there's a, there's a common phrase that we vegans use. If slaughterhouses had clear walls, there would be a lot less people eating meat. And so that was the catalyst for me. Um, and I was very much flexitarian up until 2017. Um, I think is when I gave up, finally gave up seafood. And then 2018 is when I gave up dairy, which was the last animal, um, byproduct. Um, yeah. And so now I'm into two and a half years in my vegan journey. That's cool. Uh, what are some steps that you could recommend to people who want to uh, become vegan or vegetarian? Oh my, there's tons of resources out there. So, so my own website, I mean, I've got recipes up there. Um, I blog very often about the journey. So sandranimoto.com. Um, if you've got friends, uh, who are, ask them. And I'd say if you're ready to take the leap in terms of your, um, personal diet, um, you can do what I did and, and kind of do it like an elimination over a number of years. That way your, your body isn't sort of going in shock. <laughs> if you choose to go, um, to do it all at once. I would, yeah, I, I, I didn't um, hire a nutritionist or anybody, but I think somebody like that would be very valuable if you want to start making that transition in terms of food. Um, but there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of vegan media outlets, um, Live Kindly, Plant-Based News. I think those are the top two veg news. Just follow those folks on social media. Um, if you're not, you know, if you're not quite ready to maybe subscribe to their, their uh, newsletters or their magazines, they put out really amazing articles, not just on the food side, but, but veganism touches um, uh, different areas of your lifestyle, right? So what you wear, um, impact on the environment. And so there's, there's so many ways of getting into that um, vegan lifestyle, um, even if it's not food. Cool. Uh, so you mentioned documentaries, but 
also, I'd like to um, know what sort of books have inspired you, and specifically if you have any favorites you'd like to recommend. Yeah, um, I wish I had the list in front of me, but uh, I think the two that, that I picked up early on, actually I was gifted with them, The Kind Diet um, from Alicia Silverstone, uh, Quantum Wellness uh, by Kathy Freston, who has also put out a number of cookbooks. And then the last that I, the other one I can remember is Eating Animals by Jonathan, Jonathan Saffron Four, who um, writes a lot of opinion articles in the New York Times and other uh, outlets. And he also produced a documentary based on uh, his book and that's also called Eating Animals. Awesome. And so how did they inspire you? Uh, the books, especially I would say um, with recipes, because that's again when you're when you're transitioning to to a veg vegetarian um, or vegan diet, uh, first thing you got to change is this: what are you going to eat instead of meat? <laughs> so just and and I already was not a great cook, um, so that really helped me hone in on my uh, my cooking skills. Because it let's face it, it is easy to be a vegan, but not a healthy one. Um, you can you can definitely um, live off of uh, French fries and, and, <laughs> and veggie pizza, but it's not exactly healthy. So um, you do have to, yeah, really uh, hone in on your cooking skills. And yeah, I'd say, I'd say primarily it helped me with that. And then secondarily, just learning a lot of the other reasons um, why you should go vegan, because initially for me, it was just for the animals. And then as I started reading uh, more of these books and watching more documentaries, I learned, wow, this, this has a huge impact on the environment um, as well as our own health. Um, so again, a lot of reasons uh, for, for moving into that lifestyle. Awesome. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for being on the show. Super appreciate and uh, learning more about you. Uh, for people who want to reach out to you, where's the best place to find you? I'm everywhere on social media at my name, Sandra Namoto, and then specifically for content writing and editing, uh, I'm at thecontentdoctor.co. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.